Good morning, everyone. We're so glad to be here with you. I'm Sarah. This is Micah. We're the pastors at the Vine Church in Pasco, and we're just glad that you joined us here online. Yes, welcome, welcome. So today we continue, we're near the conclusion of a series we've been doing in the book of Ephesians, a letter written by Paul uh, to the churches in Ephesus, describing both what God has accomplished through Christ and what it looks like to walk in the way of Jesus. Today he says, put on the armor of Christ. It's been a great, great letter to study. And so here we go. We're going to be in chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 today. Here's what Paul writes. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So much in here. This is one of Paul's more famous, so to speak, uh, passages, this, uh, this metaphor of the armor of God and putting on the armor of God. Um, you know, I was, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about our kiddos. We have two girls and when they were little, when they were both toddlers, I remember one winter it snowed and it doesn't snow here every single winter. And, and uh, I remember being caught off guard that year by the snow. We were excited. Our girls hadn't experienced snow before. And so we bundled them up and took them outside and started playing in the snow and they enjoyed it. They were curious or having fun. But also we realized that they were inappropriately dressed. They had little tennis shoes on and their feet were getting wet and they were getting cold. They had um, cotton gloves on and so their gloves were getting wet. And so we would come in and we would warm them up and then we'd go back out and play. And we, and we did that back and forth. And we learned that year. After after that year, each fall, we we open up the coat closet and we pull everything out and we everyone comes and we try on the gloves. Nothing fits anymore. <laughs> well, for us it fits, Growing but kids. for them, no. It, you know, each year we have to assess, okay, so what gear do you need for the winter? What appropriate gear do you need? And Paul here is going to use a similar analogy. He, he's going to say, you know, recognize the spiritual battle going on around you and put on the appropriate clothing, which is the armor of God and stand firm. 
So Paul draws a very common metaphor for people in the first century. Uh, People were very familiar with what a Roman soldier in armor would look like and some of those elements of the armor. Some even speculate that Paul, as he mentions, I'm in chains for the gospel. He's writing from prison. He's very familiar with this armor. There might be a man standing in armor in front of him as he's dictating this letter uh, to the churches in Ephesus. He draws upon this idea of putting on the armor of God. So let me read again verses 10 through 12, and and let's begin to dig in. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, but put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So finally, this is his last big section in the letter. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And we could read this and, and think, oh, we're, we need to increase our strength. This is actually a passive verb. This is something being done to them. Paul is saying here, be strengthened by God. Be continually strengthened by God in the Lord, in his mighty power. And I think that's a really important clarification here. As as we look at the armor of God, we are strengthened by God. And Paul has talked about God's mighty power before in the letter of Ephesians. In fact, it comes up in two of his prayers for the believers. In In chapter one, he prays that the believers may know the incomparable power of God, which is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and placed him far above all rule and authority and powers and dominions. And then in Ephesians three, Paul prays that they may be strengthened with power through the spirit to grasp how long and wide and high and deep is the love of God. And I I love those two two things paul praying for for the believers to know god's power but god's power is totally different than what we would typically think of power today in a worldly sense yeah and he continues to talk about power in some respects he says so there is a battle being waged but it's not one against flesh and blood and this should seem an obvious statement uh, as followers of jesus that we follow the way of peace and yet uh, that's not always the way we, we do think that we have enemies. We talk, especially when it comes to politics mm-hmm. or other nations and things like that in um, very uh, aggressive terms. He says here, the battle's not against flesh and blood. It's not against any other person, but it instead has to do with mm-hmm. the forces of evil with the powers and authorities that are controlling systems and powers mm-hmm. in this world. Now, depending on what sort of a faith community you maybe you grew up in or you've been a part of in recent years, uh, we all come at this conversation from different places. We live in a modern world in which we think we can explain most things through scientific or, uh, or, or mm-hmm. psychological terms, right? We can explain many, many things. And often this deadens us to looking for or expecting spiritual things to be taking place in parallel with all the things that we see and understand in the world. Some of us in our church backgrounds, we grew up with a very real awareness of spiritual forces around us, and some of us with very little conversation and thought to those things. Paul is going to tell us today, uh, he tells the churches of Ephesus, and we today are exploring this same concept. There is a spiritual battle being waged, and he says, get in the game. 
get involved. Yeah, and, and Paul's not a naive sort of guy. I mean, he's experienced these systems of abuse. He's experienced um, beatings from the Roman soldiers and things like that. And so he's saying there's something deeper going on okay. here. That's yeah. That's that's interesting. Yes. So let's continue. In verse 13, Paul writes, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your guard. And after you have done everything to stand. So again, he's saying, realize that there's a spiritual battle going on. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand your ground. And this is really interesting to me. He says so much of Ephesians is what God has done, what God has accomplished. And yes, God is accomplishing amazing, incredible things. And also Paul says, and now you also have a responsibility here. And part of your responsibility is to put on this armor of God. This is an action that believers take. And it's an action we take in preparation for this spiritual battle that is being waged around us. You know, I, I think of how silly it is sometimes. Uh, I'm sure none of you guys have ever done this, um, where you you come to something unprepared and you just pray that God will make everything go well. Like you, you have to take a test and and we haven't we haven't studied, we haven't done any of the homework, we haven't done any of the prep, but we just pray, God, please just help me pass this test or, or how silly it would be for a marathon runner to get up to the start line, not having trained one bit and just beg God to help them run this marathon. And in some ways, I think that analogy applies here. Paul is saying, be prepared, prepare for this battle that is happening. You know, and, and I think this is a challenge to all of us, uh, wherever we're at in our faith journeys. It's easy to be pretty complacent, to go through motions. And Paul is saying here, be, t be intentional about putting on the full armor of God. That is, the Spirit has provided you with such abundance and opportunity to engage in what's happening here in the spiritual realm. And yet quite often we live quite apathetically. Paul is saying, take action, put on all this armor, and then he'll go on to describe what that armor looks like. And so here's the description that he has for us, uh, starting in verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Mm. Stand firm. It's a decision we make, uh, but it's also a posture enabled by God and what the Spirit has done in our lives. When I hear stand firm, I was thinking this week um, uh, of standing firm. Uh, I don't know if you've spent much time in rivers and the mountains, um, but we like to fly fish and things like that. And... Um, when you get to a river that's just deep enough and running just hard enough that you can hardly stand in it, uh, you find yourself in a very precarious position with rocks that are slipping and your feet trying to slide out from under you. I like this language of stand firm. So find yourself rooted in this battle. Uh, when it comes to Satan and his schemes and the things he will try to accomplish, Paul says, be firm. 
God has enabled you to be firm, to stand firm in this. And he's going to list four things here in these three verses that I just read. The first one is stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And I find I this one just, just so interesting, fascinating that Paul says you're going to need truth in order to stand firm against the devil. And that makes so much sense because the devil is the father of lies. The devil is a liar. Um, in, in John 8, uh, Jesus even says that, that lying is the devil's native language because mm-hmm. he is a liar and the father of all lies or father of lies. Lying really is his forte. That's his strength. And it's not Always, sometimes it can be um, just a blatant lie, like just something totally opposite of the truth. But what what Satan is so good at is taking the truth and just twisting it just a little bit, just a nuanced lie that totally changes the premise of, of a concept. You know, so often we struggle with lies of identity. Um, lies, lies such as, you know, you are unworthy or you are unlovable or you are unforgivable or you, you can never change or, or lies of perception. Like this is how the world is. This is how people see you or, 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 you know, here's what's important. And, and Jesus said this to the, the Jews who believed in him in John 8 verses 31 it says to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I, I love this because I see in myself and in others around me how susceptible we are to Satan's lies. And, and Jesus says, hold on to the truth from God and this truth will set you free. And I think this is part of the reason why Paul focuses on the first part of Ephesians. It's all about identity and who we are in Jesus. We are loved. We are forgiven because because those are the, the the things that the devil really likes to lie about. Yeah. So uh, so the belt of truth buckled around you, Ace. He says, uh, mm-hmm. let, let truth surround you. And then he goes on to mention uh, the breastplate of righteousness. Now, righteousness is, is an interesting term. Um, I, I don't really <laughs> resonate with that word because uh, usually I think of self-righteous. self-righteous. Yeah. <laughs> Often that's what would come to mind. Uh, but he says, no, this is going to be part of your protection, your righteousness. So righteousness both refers to um, uh, doing right things, living mm-hmm. rightly, um, but also uh, to what God has done and is mm-hmm. doing in and for us. So scripture speaks of righteousness in these terms. I want to read from Galatians and Isaiah. In Galatians 3, um, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Now, I want to, we're we're kind of exploring this idea of putting on the armor or clothing yourself. He describes here in Galatians Mm -hmm. this idea of this is being put onto you. You are being covered in Christ. In Isaiah, it speaks specifically to the righteousness concept when it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Mm -hmm. 
So I think this is an interesting concept. Uh, anytime our righteousness is something we can attain and project to the world, uh, it's probably not what we're seeking here yeah. as far as this battle against spiritual forces. Instead, in humility, we receive are clothed by, covered by um, the righteousness of God. This is a biblical concept. And then the next thing Paul mentions here about standing firm, you have truth, you have righteousness. And the next thing is, is a readiness, your feet fitted with readiness from the gospel of peace. Um, another way to translate that would be preparedness, you know, but your feet are, are prepared to move forward with the gospel of peace. And that is one of our primary roles that we are to be messengers of the good news. The gospel means good news of Jesus that brings peace. Um, our feet need to be prepared for this. As you mentioned, uh, our girl, we like to fly fish. You we were talking about the river earlier. And a few weeks ago, we took the girls up to um, a, a little mountain stream. And we were, we were staying in a cabin and we could see the stream right below us down the hill. And so one of our daughters said, hey, can I go fishing by myself? And it was like, absolutely, we can see you, go for it. And so she went down there uh, by herself and she was having having a blast, but she came back within like 10, 15 minutes. And so when she came back, we're like, Rachel, why, why didn't you come back so soon? And so then she goes into this whole story. She went down there in her flip-flops. And so as she stood in the middle of the river, fly fishing one of her flip-flops just got carried away and and she tried to catch it and it kept going and finally it got stuck into in a bunch of logs that were laying across the river and so she said I had to wade in all the way up to my waist and with a stick finally retrieved her flip-flop because she wasn't she didn't have the right shoes on she wasn't quite prepared for that environment and here Paul is saying, be prepared, have your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the, the gospel of peace, this good news of peace where we're just ready to share it with mm. whoever comes our way. Yeah. Okay. And then he says, the shield of faith that will extinguish the flaming arrows of the inner enemy. It's kind of interesting language. If you've ever watched a Braveheart or movies like that, <laughs> you might have some concept of what he's talking about, these flaming arrows. So it was uh, customary that in war, as a, an army is um, charging or as they're postured, the archers often began um, the battle. And, and, and so any one person Person with the shield has some protection against archers. But what would often happen in the Roman army and armies throughout history and the world is they would make a, a shield wall um, mm -hmm. by locking their shields together and hunkering down together. Uh, they could find safety from those arrows. Um, and so I think it's interesting here when he mentions this shield of faith. Um, faith, our belief in God, is going to be a protection against mm -hmm. the enemy's arrows. And I think it's also interesting to consider as he writes to a church and as they listen to this in community, he describes a familiar concept, a concept that says, and together your faith will be strengthened. You can be protected in community. That's that's pretty powerful. That's a good reminder. 
Paul continues in verse 17, and he writes, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, this is a really interesting little tidbit here. Um, the word that we have here is take in English. However, this is a different verb in the Greek than what is translated as take in verse 13 and in verse 16. This has a connotation of receiving. So yes, we, we take, but it's not our initiative. It's we are receiving a gift. We are welcoming a gift from God. And so Paul here writes, receive the helmet of salvation from God. This is your protection from the enemy. This is your defense against the devil's scheme, a God who has come to your rescue. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, the word of God, take up the word of God, the sword uh, or the spirit, um, the, the sword of the spirit, the, sword, That's of how the, spirit, the yes. sword of the spirit, which is the, the word, word of God. God. Yeah. Um, so uh, he says, take up this offensive tool now that you will fight back against evil in this world with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. I think of the story of the, the first century church that we read in Acts in the beginning of, of this story of this movement of people who believe in Jesus. He is our Messiah. He is our Savior. And the way the Spirit worked powerfully to transform thoughts, to transform the way they saw the world around them, to transform the way they interacted with each other, and in fact, to transform people to become children of God and a part of this new community and movement, he says the Holy Spirit is going to lead you in, into pushing back against this darkness. In Hebrews chapter 4, the, the author uh, of, of that book um, speaks kind of in similar terms. He says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It speaks of the word of God here. So it, he speaks parallel of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. These will be guiding, driving forces uh, as you move forward. Um, and it speaks here of the word of God as active and alive. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. The word of God will be our guide and the Holy Spirit will be our guide and our companion in this battle. And then the last three verses we're going to look at today, starting in verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that what, whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I love this phrase. So be alert, right? He's going to talk about taking action and, and, mm -hmm. and being prayerful, but he says, be alert. And I was remembering this week on one of my brother's soccer teams, a goalie that was known for a, a very distinctive practice. Um, this goalie uh, on, on my brother's soccer team, when his team was on offense and they were pushing down the field, he would often just sit down and play with clovers and strands of grass Very alert. in the goal. He was not. <laughs> and I remember games 
where both the parents on the sideline and the teammates are yelling at him, the ball is coming your way, get up. And, you know, at times he would get up and do some goalie-ish things. Uh, this wasn't real high-level play. And really? at times he would just stay engrossed in the grass until it was too late. Paul is saying here, hey, be alert. Right. And we talked earlier about the fact that sometimes we kind of discount or overlook or don't give much thought to a spiritual realm and forces of evil or forces of good. The Holy Spirit in our lives. Sometimes we don't give enough thought to these things. And Paul says here in very plain terms, be alert, be aware of the things happening around you. Yeah, he says, be alert and pray, pray specifically in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And I, I love this. You know, Paul speaks a lot about the spirit. Um, he, he's described a spirit-filled community and a spirit-led community. And so here he says, in all of this, in all of this, the spiritual battle going on, as you're putting on this armor, as you're alert, pray in the spirit. Here's one uh, piece of this letter where I really wish Paul had gone further. I really, I want to know more about what Paul means here, but here's what I'm thinking. Regardless of whatever situation we're in, we are called to be in communion with God. The spirit is present and we're called to be prayerful and to be connecting with God and with all different kinds of prayers or requests. Maybe these are worded prayers. Maybe these are silent prayers. Maybe this is a very formal and planned thing. Maybe it's a very organic, informal type of prayer. Maybe it's while we're being still and quiet, or maybe it's while we're being, we're moving and we're being loud, or maybe musical or artistic, private, public, sorrowful or joyful. There are so many different ways to pray in so many different occasions in our lives. Paul here is saying in all, in all of it, be prayerful, be connected to God through the spirit. And then he gives a couple examples. It says in pray in general. So pray for all the Lord's people. And that is something that I know in my life, I, I need to do more of pray for all the Lord's people. And then also for specifics, pray also for me in in my situation that I'm in right now in change in chains as an ambassador, pray that I might have um, the words and, and speak them fearlessly. So Paul's point here is pray. Pray and be alert. Okay, so we zoom out and we look at the, the section as a whole then. Paul says there is a battle being waged and it's not against flesh and blood. Instead, it's a spiritual one. He says, and you have been equipped by God, the Holy Spirit, with many tools, both defensive and offensive in this battle. He says, so put on these things that you have been given, uh, hone them, like live in them, allow them to cover you and clothe you. Things like truth and righteousness be ready. Uh, allow your faith to protect you. Um, receive God's salvation. Walk in the Spirit. Engage in the Word of God and pray. He says, you have been equipped both to be protected, the defensive side of the battle that's being waged, but also to push back against darkness in this world. You have been equipped for the battle that is happening around you. So recognize this battle, recognize 
the, the forces battling around you. Put on this armor that has been given to you and be strengthened in the Lord. Allow your, place yourself in God's hands and allow God to strengthen you so that you can stand firm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a really hard couple of years. Uh, It's at least a year and a half, almost two years now that we've been battling COVID uh, throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And um, it's brought on isolation. Uh, It's brought on, uh, you know, people have struggled financially without jobs. Depression, mental health, addiction uh, are on the Mm -hmm. rise. It's been a really hard year. And there's some really physical, obvious reasons that you, because of a pandemic, uh, that, that these things have been taking place. But Paul invites us to be enlightened to, to realize that there are spiritual battles being fought in parallel with some of these very physical and straightforward things. You know, Sarah and I have been having the conversation on and off, um, throughout this season. Uh, one of us will say to the other, Hey, I, I think there's some spiritual warfare going on here. I think there's something happening in this moment. And like Paul encourages here, we we lift that up in prayer. God, help us to see, help us to know how can we engage in this moment. But my prayer for us as we move forward in what is still a difficult season um, is that like Paul says here, that that we would realize, yes, there are physical and very practical things to engage in this moment, but there's also a spiritual battle. And God has equipped us for the spiritual battle and invites us to engage in it, that we would be people of prayer, pray in all occasions and in all sorts of ways. He says, pray about these things and begin to or work alongside brothers and sisters and the Holy Spirit as we push back darkness and we see the light of Christ. Now, I was really struck this week um, by this idea of being prepared and not being caught off guard. I, uh, I think I've been caught off guard multiple times where mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I've, I feel like everything is just falling apart around me and, and I'm like, what is going on? And I realized I've been on autopilot. I haven't been intentionally engaging. Mm-hmm. I haven't been focusing on prayer and, and, and this armor of God that we've been talking about. And so I want to invite us um, to, to two things, to, to be prepared and and to think about, to see and to put on this armor, to intentionally place ourselves um in this continual interaction with the spirit and Mm -hmm. asking God to work in us. But I also want to invite us to remember that however we feel in this moment, however difficult things are, that God is victorious, Mm -hmm. that in Jesus we have victory, that God is bringing about the healing and the restoration of of the entire world right now. And it hasn't come to fruition yet. It's still a work in progress, but but the victory has been set. Mm-hmm. And so how wherever you're at, if this is a really difficult season for you, or if, if this is a, a, a joyful season for you, just want to invite us to be prepared, to be intentional, and also to recognize that God is victorious. Let's pray about that.
God, thank you for this day and the time to explore uh, these words, your word, and um, what it holds for us. God, help us in um, our lives to recognize that there is a spiritual battle being waged. Um, and God, help us to uh, receive and live in the things that you have closed us with, the things that you have accomplished through Jesus and through the Spirit. And God, help us in our day-to-day lives to be those that through your power are pushing back evil and the darkness that surrounds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We thank you for joining us. We hope you have an awesome weekend. Bye.